This is a story from the land of Nod. Hi, my name is Annie and I create everything that you see and hear here at Land of Nod. If you would like to support the work that I do, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash land of Nod learning. Thank you. Gulliver's Travels Gulliver was once a doctor in the great city of London. He grew tired of the crowded city though and its busyness and decided to take a trip on a ship. He wanted to journey to distant lands and see many different people and many different things. He had no idea his voyage would take him to the strange places that can't be found on any map. This is the story of the little land of Lilliput, the first stop in Gulliver's many travels. Sailing through the East Indies, his ship hit a terrible storm. Gulliver and five other sailors had to leave the sinking ship behind. They climbed into a small boat and dropped it into the stormy sea. At the mercy of the violent waves, the boat twisted and turned until suddenly it flipped over. The men tried to swim against the waves, but the water swallowed up Gulliver and his shipmates. Gulliver awoke on a grassy shore. He could not move, but he thought he felt something moving steadily up his leg to his chest. He shifted his blurry eyes to see what appeared to be a tiny, tiny human being who was not much bigger than a spoon. When he felt more of these little people marching up his leg, Gulliver tried to lift his head. His hair, he found, was tied down. And his arms and his legs were tied down too. He struggled to lift one arm, breaking the tiny strings that bounded to the ground. Then he broke the strings near his head, making it easier for him to turn around and examine his surroundings. He saw hundreds of the tiny creatures staring back at him. Some ran away while others shot arrows the size of needles at his free hand. Gulliver stayed still until he heard one little man talking to him in a language he could not understand. Gulliver politely agreed with everything the little man said, even though he could not really understand. This man must be their emperor, he thought. The emperor spoke kindly to him, and Gulliver lifted his hand to point to his mouth. The emperor understood that Gulliver was hungry, He ordered basket upon basket of food to be carried up to his mouth. Then the emperor pointed off into the distance and called for a cart that 500 tiny carpenters had built. The small creatures untied him and motioned to the cart. Gulliver climbed onto the cart without arguing and allowed the tiny people to chain him to it. Then 900 of their strongest men pulled him to their capital city. They tugged Gulliver to their largest building, a temple, just outside the magnificent little city. There they bound him in chains at the ankles. Gulliver understood their fear and their need to protect themselves from being trampled upon. Now Gulliver was eager to learn about this place and its tiny people. He made every effort to speak with them. The emperor sent the finest scholars to visit with Gulliver every day. Gulliver learned that the kingdom was called Lilliput and its gentle tiny people were known as Lilliputians. The first words Gulliver learned to say to the Lilliputians were 
Please remove my chains. Before too long, the Lilliputians were no longer afraid of Gulliver. They called him the Man Mountain and came to see him often. They let Gulliver pick them up in his hand. That way he could speak to them without crouching. He showed them his coins and his pen, which they studied with great curiosity. The Lilliputians were especially amazed with Gulliver's pocket watch. Its ticking was very noisy to them, but they had many questions about how it worked. Even the children of Lilliput came to love Gulliver. They would dance on his hand and play hide and seek in his hair. Gulliver enjoyed amusing the children. He wondered what he could do to entertain the other Lilliputians. One day, the army of Lilliput marched out to a field to practice its drills. The Lilliputians were very proud of their army, and Gulliver himself was fascinated with the soldiers' skills. Gulliver built a stage for their exercises. He used his handkerchief and sticks to build the playing field. He picked up 24 horses and 24 soldiers and put them on the stage. Then he lifted the emperor and his court in his hand so they could see the soldiers' manoeuvres from above. They liked this very much. So much, in fact, the emperor ordered that this entertainment be performed daily for everyone in Lilliput to see. Then the day came when Gulliver would be released from his chains. But first, Gulliver had to pledge an oath to the emperor. The Man Mountain promised to be forever careful wherever he walked. He agreed to deliver the Emperor's messages over great distances. And he offered to help the Lilliputian army in war. In return, the Lilliputians gave Gulliver his freedom and agreed to give him as much food as he could eat. Soon, the Emperor told Gulliver that they were getting ready to go to war with the nation called Blefuscu. Long ago, Gulliver was told the Emperor of Lilliput and the Emperor of Blefuscu had had an argument over which end of an egg is best to crack first. The larger end is only logical, Blefuscu's Emperor shouted. Only idiots would break the egg on the larger end. It is obviously the smaller end, of course, the Emperor of Lilliput shouted back. That argument created a war that had never ended and Blefuscu was now sending large fleets of ships to attack Lilliput. The Emperor asked for Gulliver's help. Gulliver's job was to stop Blefuscu's ships before they reached the shores of Lilliput. He asked for several strong cables and a set of iron bars. Gulliver bent the bars into hooks and tied them to the cables. The scene between the two kingdoms was much too deep for the tiny Lilliputians, but Gulliver could easily walk across the water in very little time. He set out across the great sea. Gulliver soon met the enemy ships as they left the shores of Blefuscu. He rose out of the sea and frightened the Blefuscadians terribly. Most of them dove from their ships at the sight of him and swam back to shore. Some brave Blefuscadians stayed on their ships to shoot arrows at their giant foe. When Gulliver attached the hooks to their ships and started to pull them away though, even the most fearless soldiers leaped from their ships to the water below. Gulliver tugged the ships back to Lilliput. 
Great cheers rose from the shore as he came closer, carrying the entire fleet of Blefuscu by one of his massive hands. Long live the Emperor of Lilliput, cried Gulliver. From that day forward, the little people of Lilliput called Gulliver their greatest hero of all time. Having reached a peace with the Lilliputians, the people of Blefuscu invited Gulliver to visit their island. The Man Mountain was very happy to oblige them. He did not want them to be afraid of him, and he knew he had much to learn about their customs. Gulliver spent two fine days on the island of Blefuscu. On the third day, while he took a walk on the beach, Gulliver spotted an empty boat on the shore, and it was a boat made for a real man of his size. Gulliver hurried back to the Blefuscadians and thanked them for their kindness. Then he rode back to Lilliput to bid his dear friends a fond farewell, for it was now time for him to go home. The Emperor of Lilliput presented him with several live cows and plenty of food for his journey. Then Gulliver sadly sailed away. Before long, he spotted a ship. He rode swiftly to it and was welcomed aboard. Everyone thought he had been lost at sea. He told the crew about his voyage to Lilliput. Of course nobody believed his story, until he reached into his pocket and pulled out two teeny tiny cows he had received from the emperor. This had to be more than enough to convince them. Soon Gulliver was back in London, where people came to see his tiny animals and hear his fantastic tales about the tiny nation of Lilliput and their war with Blefuscu. And there, Gulliver prepared to set out again on his next incredible voyage. The End <laughs>